Coming up, we got David Belleville joining the podcast tonight. We're going to talk about the uh, Crystal Creek Concrete LLC Classic, the Three Rivers Golf Tour events that was played at Cherry Hill this last weekend. Dave and I were both in the field, and we talked about uh, the, uh, the tough conditions we played in on Saturday and uh, just talk a little bit about the course and how the tournament played out. We'll also talk about the golf garage and, and uh, what Dave has going on there. Great, uh, great addition to the north side of Fort Wayne in the last year. We'll get into that, and then we'll also review the RBC Heritage this last weekend in Hilton Head Island. Stuart Sink continuing a career resurgence into his late 40s with his second win in 14 starts. Uh, figure out what's uh what's the secret sauce what what is he unlocked here late in his career and finally we we uh, preview the zurich classic in new orleans the only team events on the pga tour schedule uh really hard hard to bet this one but we'll bet out some picks some teams we like all coming up Welcome to your best bets. It is yes. a, another normal Monday nights where we record this podcast. I'm excited tonight because we have a uh, debut participant on the podcast. I, I always am excited to get a new voice with us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Three Rivers tournament that occurred this last Saturday. Um, talk about uh, this man's business venture and, of course, the PGA Tour. So, uh Dave Belleville's with us. Dave, welcome. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. Uh, glad to be here and uh, ready to go whenever you are, sir. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of you this winter uh, at the Golf Garage, obviously. So we, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, both of us were in the field uh, this last weekend at the uh, Crystal Creek Concrete Classic, um, where I think both of us probably didn't have exactly the day we wanted. Um, uh, but we were out there in the cold uh, from the tips. Uh, the course played really long, in, in my opinion. Um, so the fact that John Schramm shot 66 and won the gross division, I, I didn't see a 66 out there. Did you? Uh, no, absolutely not. And, and you're right. It did play pretty long. I was I was really surprised, actually, that they had us play all the way back. When I found that out, I'm like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I didn't see a 66 out there. I thought 72, 73 probably would be right near the top, but I was wrong. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the course wasn't, uh, the conditions weren't impossible. I think the cold air made it play even longer. And I was, I, I like you, I was surprised when, when we got out there, they were playing the gold. So it, it played every bit of 7,000 yards in my mind, but, uh, yeah, John Schramm, uh, beat Jot Singh by six shots, so it was a runaway. Um, I don't know how your day went, Dave, but I, I started out pretty solidly. I, I, I think I was even through four, had a birdie in there, and then I, I threw an OB ball out on five, and my day was uh, kind of tarnished after that. I, I turned in three over, and I thought maybe if I played the back nine and one under, even it would give me a shot at it, but um, 
some rust really showed up there in uh, 12 and 13 for me and uh, sort of, sort of, you know, lost my round there. Uh, how'd the day go for you overall? Well, I started out, number one, you're right, A, it was cold. I was the second group off, and it was like 38 or 39 when we teed off. So it was it was a little chilly, definitely played long, like you had said. But I, I just started out bogey-bogey and actually played pretty well after that. I made a couple more silly bogeys on seven and nine. Um, but, I mean, I shot 40, 38, just, just kind of eh, wasn't horrible, wasn't great. Just had six bogeys, no birdies. But that's uh, when I saw what John Schramm had shot. I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's that's really impressive. Because I, I agree with you. Uh, like we said, we talked the length, but that cold for those first probably at least seven holes. Uh, it was it was uh, really cold. Ball really wasn't traveling much. The back nine actually got semi decent though. Um, so. But yeah, I uh, John, I don't I don't know how much you know about him, and I don't know a ton about him. Uh, I know he used to be a mini tour player and or an assistant professional in the area, um, and I guess he gave that up and got his amateur status back. So, but he still still plays really really well, obviously. Yeah, uh, obviously, and I, it sounds like we'll we'll be dealing with him for the rest of the twenty twenty one season between the Three Rivers Tour and, and the FWGA. Um, so shout out to him. Congrats, John. Uh, also congrats to Dan Wright for winning the net division with the net 68. Uh, he won by five in the net division. So uh, congrats to those guys. Uh, thanks to uh, you know Mark, Spencer, and Trent for uh, putting on a good tournament. Um, and we'll talk about the, the May tournament as we get closer up in Cobblestone. So that will be... Uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, are, are you playing in the uh, the five-man scramble this weekend at, at yeah, Riverbend, Dave? Riverbend, Dave? I am. I am. Got a semi-decent team, I think. We'll see. I actually was out there tonight. I played uh, like five holes. I did not realize how cold it had gotten. Uh, but Tommy's got those greens out there just absolutely amazing right now. They had to be running close to 12 on the stint tonight, so. Uh, Saturday ought to be pretty interesting. I actually just looked at the forecast. Have you checked it by the by the way yet for Saturday? Decent. Well, that's changed. <laughs> um, not real windy now, but there's like a seventy percent chance of rain. High in the high fifties, low sixties. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I did. I did hear the greens are, are running uh, really nicely and fast, which I, I expected. So I expect we'll see some tough pins out there on Saturday. Uh, I feel pretty optimistic about my team, but it's all about making the making putts in those scrambles. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Should be a fun Saturday, though. Um, Dave, I want I want to talk about the golf garage a little bit. Um, uh, I want you to just kind of kind of give us the starting point of where this idea came from and how it came to fruition. Uh, at least give us, you know, get us going with that. And then we'll, we'll follow up with some questions after that. Okay. Well, to be honest with you, it kind of formed in my garage uh, about five years ago. I, uh, at that time I was about 15 years from retirement and I figured, Hey, I want to have something, you know, a little part-time gig or something to do, you know, when I retire to putts around the house or whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to go learn how to do golf clubs and stuff, which I've known anyway, most of the time I've been doing my own stuff for a long time because I used to be an assistant golf professional back in the eighties and nineties. 
So I had a lot of experience doing it, but I'd never had any formal training. So I went over to uh, Golf Works in Ohio, took their three-day course, uh, did that. So I just started doing all that stuff out of my garage, formed my own little LLC. And I never really did any advertising or anything, just kind of word of mouth. I was a member at Cedar Creek at the time. So I just kind of started spreading the word there. And one thing led to another and started doing Scotty Pieri stuff, uh, I don't know, probably three years ago or so. And it just, it just exploded. It got to the point last year where it was actually a little too much for a part-time job, but not quite enough for a full-time job. So I had been looking kind of on my own maybe to uh, get something opened up and maybe try to get some investors and stuff like that. I've been working on that for about a year. Um, and then honestly, I've known Matt Schmidt, a uh, guy that owns A-plus computers for probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 years through, through golf and everything here in town. And Matt literally just called me up one day because I had done some club work for him as well and said, hey, he's like, how much space do you need to, you know, do your thing? And I'm like, well, I, you know, gave him a figure and he's like, well, I don't have quite that much, but I got a spot right here beside me. Let's do it. So I said, absolutely. And that's, that's really kind of how it was, uh, how it was started. Matt said, let's do it. And I went over there and here we are three track man simulators later and full golf retail club repair, club fitting. We finally do have our beer and wine license <laughs> that took about six months. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great. We've had a great winter. Uh, I really did exceed my expectations a little bit. I, I did think we would be busy. I, wasn't quite sure we'd be as busy as we were pleasantly surprised by the way but yeah even to this day actually we've been we've been busy yeah that's uh that's something i noticed during the winter when i, I would come in to play my league uh you know one day a week so like every time i come in there it was it was busting um so yeah congrats congrats to both of you guys on on what you've achieved so far what are what are some of the challenges you you see coming i guess as the weather gets warmer uh compared to the winter obviously the you know people prefer to you know play outside and and practice outside obviously that the track man is still a draw and, and all the other you know stuff that you do like you said the club repair the club fitting uh, but some of the challenges you see upcoming yeah a, a few um Obviously, COVID starting in the middle of this was an issue to begin with, and it still is, although not near what it was, you know, with the vaccines out and everybody kind of getting their shots. Um, but from the day we opened, which was October 2nd, until this day still, I have not caught up on club repair. There's never been a day that I got everything caught up and done from the day we opened. We had people walk in the door the day we opened and said, hey, do you do club repair? And I said, yes, we do. And literally from that day, I've never gotten everything caught up. It's just kind of been a steady flow, sometimes heavier than others. Um, it's actually kind of a heavy time right now. A lot of people want new grips and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. um, that, uh, as far as uh, one of the challenges, I'm really the only one that does much of the club repair right now. Um, so that's that's been a little harder than I thought it would, because as you said, as busy as we were in the wintertime, uh, I'm trying to do all the club repair, run all the leagues, you know, take care of customers when they come in. Um, Matt and I've kind of had a joke about that a little bit because I swore to him, I think I can handle it all, you know, during the winter, no problem. And uh, 
even though I did that way, it was way more than I ever thought. I just couldn't get into a, a good rhythm with anything as far as, you know, plenty of time to do the club repair or plenty of time to do the leagues or what have you. It, it turned out to be a lot more than I thought. So, mm-hmm. um, but right now, to be honest with you, our biggest challenge is just getting equipment. All of the major manufacturers are back ordered to a point that I've been in, in and around the golf business now for 40 years and I have never seen it the way it is right now. I've had clubs on order for guys that are, they originally told us four weeks. It, we're now at seven and eight. And I just called today. I called Titleist today asking about a couple sets of clubs. They're out of heads. Mm. They don't have heads. Same thing with Shrixon. I called them right afterwards. They, the clubs are being held up because they don't have heads. Um, I don't know how much you know about uh, that particular side of it, but there's been a big major grip issue as well. Golf prides run out of grips. Um, so all the different distributors and what have you, it's just, it's really, really been a challenge like I've never experienced uh, in all my time in the business just from getting equipment. Now, the Bobixes and the other golf courses that like placed their orders back in the late summer, early fall, which is a normal cycle. They've got a lot of their stuff, you know, when it was supposed to come in, the fact that we kind of got started a little late, you know, made it harder for us. We've, we've got a decent selection right now. Um, I've probably sold five sets of Mizuno irons, I've sold four or five sets of Shrixon irons. But realistically, getting anything else right now is, uh, it's hard. I mean, it just, like I said, I've never seen it like this before. It's just really hard. So those are the biggest challenges. Um, We went ahead and shut down one of the three bays so I could put some more retail stuff in it. We got a ton of golf bags now. That's another thing. Uh, Three of the major manufacturers of golf bags were out of stock by uh, February. So, but we got plenty of bags. We just got some push carts in, plenty of shoes, plenty of balls. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're just looking to kind of see what we need to do and what would be best to expand what the people really want, you know, next. So, but yeah, it's, we've had a great response. I really do appreciate everybody. So, yeah, um, I, I was actually in last week and, uh, and got a new bag there. So yeah, the, uh, I, I think it's. I think what you guys have built so far in just a short time span, what six months in, uh, I think it's been really impressive. I think I. I know it's. It's. It's got quite a gathering already with the Fort Wayne golf crowd, um, especially the people on the on the north side. Um, so congrats to you guys. I'm excited to see where you guys go from here. And uh, you're so, like I said, it's still a, a, a new thing. So you. Interested to see how you guys navigate some of the, you know, some of the stuff along the way and some of the challenges, like you said, you've been, you've encountered so far. Um, Dave, I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the, as we transition to the, uh, the RBC Heritage this last weekend uh, in Hilton Head, um, Stuart Sink continuing a career renaissance. Um, uh, gosh, I mean, 47 years old, he's won twice uh, on the wraparound season now. Uh, two wins and 14 starts he's got his son on the bag for both of these wins um i I don't know if it's the vibe of his son or he's just swinging carefree i I don't know what it is but he opens with 63 63 and basically that number wins the tournament Uh, he just kind of has to coast the last two rounds which he does he 
Um, and I, I kind of expected going into Sunday that he, you know, Stuart Sink wasn't going to do anything colossally bad uh, being a veteran. Um, but he wins by four over uh, Harold Barner and uh, Emiliano Grillo. Um, I'm sorry, three shots. But he was never really challenged. And uh, this is his third win at Harbortown. So it's definitely got a knack for this place. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Stu Sink? Couple of things. Sorry, sorry about that. Couple of things. Um, I was just reading the other day, and I got the two prong to this, but I saw a picture just a little while ago. His first win at Harbortown. His wife was holding his son that caddied for him on the weekend, and you know this week. And his son was born the same year as Colin Morikawa, who played in the <laughs> final group with him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I think part of his renaissance, the other thing that I was going to talk about was his wife was diagnosed with uh, cancer. I don't know, 2016 or 2017. I honestly don't remember which. I was reading about it the other day. But, yeah. you know, he said it kind of changed his whole outlook as well. So, you, you know, you throw family out there together, and I guess his wife caddies for him part-time too. But she hasn't won with him yet, so he might stick with, 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 with his son instead. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, if you think about it, Stuart Sink and Bryson DeChambeau are the only two guys that have two two wins or more on the, on this wraparound season. Which you know, one guy's twenty five and the other guy's forty seven. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, my my other thing, I, I I don't know if you know Jason Smith here around town. He played uh, that golf course back in it was either late November, early December. And after I saw what Stewart shot, I'm like, Jason, you played there. I'm like, do you ever see anybody shooting 63? He's like, that is so unbelievable. And then to do it twice, it's like, oh, my goodness, that is crazy good. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, good for him. you got to be making putts, and obviously he's good putter. But uh, you really got to control your golf ball, too. So I, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I mean, me, me being 55, I like it anytime the old guys beat those young guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh johnny uh johnny trousers down there this week uh he's playing the course so I, i'm i'm really interested to get his feedback on on what sync did the first two rounds uh, yeah it i mean from everything i understand claustrophobic course very tight uh really got to control your golf ball as you said it's not about length and uh he didn't make anything really on sunday so that just shows how solidly he played to to come in with uh, uh, one under par round to, to finish it off. Um, I love, I love the stat with Bryson winning twice and sink winning twice. Those only two guys with multiple wins. It's that shows how, how, uh, interesting the game of golf can be. One guy super young hits it a mile and, and sink just, uh, you know, he ball striked it to death the first two rounds, but, um, now he's being rumored, rumored to be at least on the radar for the Ryder Cup. I don't know if I'd go there, especially with uh, with that being held at Whistling Straits, where you know it's definitely a bomber's paradise. But he's at least on the radar, and who knows if he keeps playing well, you know, through into the summer. I guess you would have to consider it. Um, I got to give it a shout out to Johnny. He on the podcast last week he mentioned Stu Sink at uh, 125 to one. He didn't necessarily talk about him as a win bet, but he talked about him as a top ten mentioned how well he played at the masters so uh he was at least mentioned here 
Johnny and I both love Morikawa. Um, I had a really nice bet on Morikawa and going into Sunday, I thought he was positioned to at least challenge sink. He birdied the first hole and then he made nothing after that. And Morikawa to me, seems like one of these guys that if he puts well, he might win. Uh, and, but now the putter seems to be the liability in his bag. Uh, we know, we know how good he is with the irons, probably the best iron player in the game, along with, uh, in my mind, Justin Thomas. But, um, I was a little disappointed by Morikawa's performance Sunday. I know, um, you can't get it done every time and some days you just don't have it. But I, I was, I was hoping for a little bit more of an exciting final round and we, we didn't quite get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of the final round and, and knowing kind of what the, the scenario was heading into it. I mean, I knew there's no, the only way anybody's going to have a chance is if sink shoots like 75, 76 and he could have never touched his driver and, and shot 72. So um, the fact, you know, that somebody was going to catch him. I didn't see somebody shooting a 63 or a 62 on Sunday. So that likelihood was slim, but, uh, going back to Colin Morikawa a little bit, I, you know, as well as I do playing this game long enough, there's going to be stretches where you're rolling the ball really well, but you're literally making nothing. And then other times where you're making quite a bit, um, even though you may or may not be striking the ball well. Uh, which definitely helps you around. So, you know, the, the funny thing is, Colin, yeah, he may not be putting great right now. Okay, so what he finished, third, fourth? I mean, it's not like, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, he's missing the cut and what have you. So that, that just proves how great of a ball striker he is. And I, I tell you what, I think that's one kid, uh, of all the kids that are out there right now, I think that's one kid that is going to just continue to get better and, and be – I'm not necessarily going to say the face of the tour because I don't know that you'll ever see that again the, the way Tiger was because now you've got the Tiger effect and all of these kids are really, really good. So, um, But, yeah, Colin's definitely going to be right there with him. My other thought, you know, seeing what Stuart Sink shot, 63-63, you know, Will Zalatoris was the uh, darling of the Masters, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes out this week and shoots 68-67, and looks up and he's nine shots back after two <laughs> rounds. How's that got to make you feel? <laughs> yeah. As far as other takeaways from the RBC, there's not, there wasn't a lot to me. Um, a lot of the guys that finished in the top 10, top 15 were, were names that are, that are stalwarts, at least at this course, like a Matt Fitzpatrick, um, who's always around. It seems on this course, um, Corey Connors, a guy I like going into the week. Uh, I call him on, uh, as, as a guy of team no putt. He, he just really struggles with the putter too. Unbelievable ball striker. He was in the mix for a while. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what we saw on Saturday. Um, I believe it was on the front nine. And I'm I'm really I've I've gone back and forth on this one. But uh, Siwoo Kim had a had a birdie putt. I think it was about 20, 25 feet from the fringe. I believe on Saturday and. You know, his putt gets to the edge of the hole and it stops. And, you know, normally you get the you get the the time where it takes you to walk to the hole and then a 10 seconds to see if it's going to drop and then then you got to tap it in. Uh, the difference here is apparently, and, and Matt Kuchar attested that uh, Siwoo's ball was still moving or oscillating, I guess, uh, whatever you want to call it. And so he waited a good... 45 seconds um, and after i saw the clip on on the pj tours twitter page it did seem excessively long but 
it, it also maybe was warranted if the ball was actually moving because, you know, you can't hit a moving golf ball. Um, so he, it did drop and he, you know, he made birdie, but he got penalized right there at, on, on the hole with the, with the official uh, who deemed that he took too much time. So he, he actually got, it, this, his score was a par and then he got penalized a stroke for, you know, for the, the time as well. Um, what was your thoughts on that, Dave? Where do you land on, on the ruling there? You know, that's, that's a tough one to be honest with you for me, because if the ball was physically still moving, and like you said, Kucher, Kucher attested to the fact that it was moving, even though you, you obviously just to the naked eye, unless you're literally right over it, you're not gonna be able to see it on TV, but I'm torn, Phil, to be honest with you, because, okay, where do you draw the line? You know, I mean, do you do you say no? Just stand there and wait till either it stops or it falls in. Um, but there again, if it truly is moving and he goes ahead and taps it in, then he's hit a moving ball. So now he's got a penalty that way as well. Um, I I struggle with it sometimes because to me there has to be a little bit of common sense applied. And sometimes I'm not sure those that rule the game of golf have much. So it, again, it's tough. I don't know if he was unduly delaying. For example, if Kucher was already ready to hit his next putt, and you know he was delaying Kucher to hit his putt because of it, you know what? Okay, yeah, that's a problem. Um, but if Kucher was standing right there with him watching it, he wasn't even ready to putt, so it's not like they were delaying anybody. I, I don't see that the issue with it, except then you go to the fact, okay, what if it were still been moving in a minute and a half? Do you wait that long? Right. So I, that's just a tough one, man. It really is. I I guess in my my opinion, I would have to take my playing competitor's viewpoint of it as far as if I were the official okay Matt says it was still moving it must have still been moving um, but there again there still has to be you know are we going to have the same decision if he waited a minute and a half two minutes I mean wh where is that line there has to be something I get that I'm not sure the 10 second rule is good um, I'm thinking a minute maybe at the most as as much as they have a slow play problem on the tour and in golf in general is, is a minute on a putt that's literally still moving, according to at least two people, is, is that too long? I, I don't know. It, it's a hard one for sure, no doubt about it. It's it's one of those gray areas where I, I can see both sides. I do commend the tour. Um, I mean, I don't, and I don't know, Dave, how much you, you follow stuff on Twitter, social media, but there's a time where the PJ Tour might have might have – I don't want to say ran from this, but they might have not even talked about it. But they posted on Twitter pretty much right after the rounds, the whole exchange. And they did this with the the, the Patrick Reed ruling fiasco out in Torrey Pines when, when that happened in February. Uh, so they are at least acknowledging these things um, and they're not they're not running from it. So I, I do commend them for at least tackling what's what's being talked about. Um yeah, that's a tough one. I see both sides. Um, that's why I was going to let you uh, you make the call on that one. Um, I have nothing else from the RBC Heritage except to say that um, 
Our picks last week were not good. Um, I think I, I picked Doc Redmond as a long shot to win, and I, Dave, I think he was dead last or second to last. <laughs> Missed the cut by a mile. I, I couldn't have been more wrong on him. Um, I had Berger and Answer, who were at least kind of in the vicinity. Johnny had Morikawa. Um, so hopefully um, whatever we provide you as far as picks this week go a little bit better. Um, yeah, obviously, we talked about our, our run where we had four wins and eight starts or eight tournaments. Uh, so we need to see if we can get back on track this week. And this week is a really unique tournament. And um, it's the format's fairly new to the PGA Tour. It was a 2017, the Zurich Classic. Uh, changed its format to from a you know a, a traditional individual stroke play to a team tournament, which is the only team uh, tournament on the PGA Tour. Um, uh, so, eighty teams in the field, you get to pick your partner, um, and you have some really random uh, teams in this tournament. You have some some guys that make sense, and then you have some guys that don't make sense. It's it's kind of laughable as I was looking through the field today. Um, so 2020 got canceled because of because of COVID, but uh, going back to 2019, uh, John Rahm, Ryan Palmer won this, so I guess they're technically the defending champions. Um, uh, so there's there's four rounds of so four rounds, two rounds best ball. And then two rounds in alternate shot, which in my mind, alternate shot in any team format is usually the difference making rounds because alternate shot is so difficult um, and it's so difficult to score. So whoever excels during the alternate shot format, uh, expect them to at least be in the mix for the win. Um, what was your thought on a team format, uh, at least a, a two-man team like this, um, and, and the different type of formats, best ball and alternate shot? You know, as as a golf enthusiast, uh, followed it for years and years. I really like the fact that they went to this, um, just simply because it's different. Um, every week is, you know, you're you're your own guy, which I get. That's part of golf. Um, you're your own ball. You're trying to beat everybody else. Um, but this is this is just different, especially to me. You know, we talked a little bit about. Uh, Last week's tournament being the, the first week after the Masters, it's it's almost like it's a letdown. Um, no matter what happens, it's a great golf course that they play over there at Harbor Town, but the tournament itself always seems a little bit like a letdown just because it follows the Masters. So, and and I think this actually kind of throws a little bit more uh, spice, I guess, back into it just because it's so different. So. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of looking through right now some of these uh, the pairings and what have you, and yeah, that's uh, there's some there's some uh, different ones here. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I didn't even know Charlie Belgian was still on tour, but he's playing with Ricky Barnes. Um, wow, that's that's kind of cool. So yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I do. Um, I, I think it's neat, and I think it gives it like a, a totally different viewing. For us spectators, for us fans, in 2017, when when the format changed, uh, I I think there was a lot of anticipation on how this you know how it would look on TV. Would there be more excitement? Would the fans be more into it? Um, I and obviously this year is going to be different. I don't know what the what the the rule is on fans. I'm sure there's going to be limited fans. So um, 
I, I think sort of the Ryder Cup atmosphere is what they were hoping for. I don't know if they've quite gotten that the, the few years that they've they went to this format, but um, I remember 2017, the first year, uh, Kevin Kisner chips in on the final hole to get it to a playoff, and and it was an awesome moment. Um, I, I think that was kind of the 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 thoughts of this type of format where. There's a lot of birdies, um, you know, a lot of scoring uh, and excitement. So we'll see if it if it goes that way this week. Um, so we mentioned Rhyme and Palmer. They're the defending champions. They're also the favorite. A really short number on DraftKings this week at plus 600 to win. Uh, the power uh, team, I, I would think, would be Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley at plus 650. Even though Cantlay's really been struggling the last few weeks. Mark Leishman and Cameron Smith at plus 1,400. Uh, Morikawa and Matt Wolf, uh, college uh, rivals now teaming up at plus fourteen hundred. A team I'm really interested in is Bubba and Scotty Scheffler at sixteen hundred. And uh, man, this team's going to hit some bombs. Cameron Champ and Tony Finau at plus eighteen hundred. Uh, Dave, if you had to bet any of those top teams, uh, who would you take a chance on? Wow, um, you ain't kidding about the bombs, Champ and uh, Finau. Holy mm-hmm. cow! And, and I apologize. What was their number again? Eighteen hundred. Wow. Yeah, I, I would have to to play that one for sure. Um, I, I'm kind of again. I don't have the betting numbers in front of me, but I'm looking at the pairings. Uh, another team that that I think you ne- need to keep your eye on. I'm not sure what their betting odds are, but Billy Horschel and Sam Burns are playing together. Both those guys have played really well this year. Uh, obviously, Billy got a win again a couple weeks ago. Sam Burns has been close a few times, but those two are pairing up. You know, Leish, Leishman and Smith, I definitely would uh, would be all in on. Those guys both have been playing pretty well. Um, I, the Scheffler-Watson group, I think, is okay, but I don't, Bubba hasn't been playing that great. That Shoffley can't lay. I, I can get why they're at least some of the favorites. They may not be the number one favorite, but man, what a good team. Both those guys have been playing well. That Matt Wolf, Colin Morikawa thing, since it's a team game, that that might be really, really good. Yes. Wolf's, Wolf's one of those guys where he's either really, really on or he's going to shoot 82 and WD. <laughs> uh, so... Dave, the yeah, that's uh, again. I, I apologize. I'm just kind of flipping through the field here. What what's some in, interesting pairings? Wow, the team that is consistently in the mix here, and, and I already talked about them a little bit. In 2017, they finished second, and I think they finished in the top ten in 2019. It's it's Kisner and Scott Brown, and you look on paper, and Scott Brown, you know, he's just sort of a fringe player. He doesn't flash a lot, but he and kids are really good buddies. They play a lot together and they make a really, really good team in this event. And I don't know what it is, but at plus 6,600, that's an amazing number. And, uh, I've already bet them. And, uh, another team that I really like, that's, that's a little bit down the board. Um, uh, and, and this one's a little bit off the radar, but it's, it's, it's my kind of guys is, as Matt Neesmith and Chase Seifert. Both these guys are hitting the ball really well. Neesmith's in the top 10 in strokes gained approach on the tour. Seifert's had some really good finishes the last few events. So at plus 7,000, I've already bet them as well. So those are some, my, my couple of my sleeper plays, but as we talked about, um, I love, I love Burns and Horschel this week. Um, Burns is a LSU guy, so he's he's playing in his home state. I don't know if that matters. 
Um, but those are some of the teams that I've already bet. Yeah, again, I'm just kind of flipping through here. I'm going to have to go one for the old guys. Rocco Mediate and Woody Austin are playing together this week. How's that? Uh, how is that? Um, I'm, I'm going to do one other one, too, that I think these guys play well together, and that's Graham McDowell Matt Wallace. Mm-hmm. Wallace has been playing well. Grammar played well a few weeks ago, so that they might be one to look out for as well. I like that Neesmith and Seifert. That that's a good pick right there. Anything to me that that's a little bit different on tour, I'd like to see something like, um, uh, you know, they have the one time with the match play, one time with the team event. Um, so more of these, uh, I like a lot. Um, you know, you could go way down the board. There's probably going to be one or two teams that are kind of these random teams that that, that will pop up uh, that you could expect that. You would never think of, but they, they will show up here. Another team I like real quick, uh, Brendan Todd, Chris Kirk at plus 2,500. Kirk's been playing great, and Brendan Todd uh, makes everything that he looks at. So if Kirk can continue striking the ball well, that's a team that might have a chance. It's, uh, it is one of my favorite events to watch because it is so different. Um, and and kind of like you said, there's always a team or two that you go, huh, who are those guys and where'd they come from? And you know they're up there top 10 or what have you, which is what makes it fun. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. Brooks Kepka played with his brother Chase, and they uh, they finished, I think, in the top five. If I top ten for sure, but top five, I think. Um, so yeah, just just different stuff like that makes it very interesting. So much fun to watch. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait. Uh, should be a good one. Um, we'll uh, we'll have some picks and. Uh, myself and uh, i'll get dave's picks we'll put it on our instagram page uh by wednesday uh dave appreciate you coming on uh let me know when you want to come back and talk golf thank you buddy i appreciate that very much and uh happy to do it anytime continue to support the show uh follow us on instagram and facebook your best bets uh like i said we'll have some picks this week i got a uh a really interesting episode coming up later in the week uh Me and a couple gentlemen are going to break down the state of IU basketball. So can't wait for that one. Thanks for listening once again. 